Thank you for downloading this podcast from Pardes North America. This episode of the Pardes Parsha podcast features Rabbi Michael Hatton and Yiska Smith on Parshat Vedchanan. For the latest episodes, visit elmod.pardes.org. And now, Rabbi Michael Hatton and Yiska Smith. Welcome, everybody. This is Michael Hatton in conversation today with Yiska Smith. Shalom. Shalom from Jerusalem. We are going to be talking about Parshat Ve'et Hanan. And Parshat Ve'et Hanan is the Parsha that is always read after the ninth of Av. So it has this connection to events that we will be marking very shortly. In terms of the content of the Parsha, Moshe again will be continuing with his review and inspiration for the people of Israel as they prepare to enter the land. Last week, if you remember, I was in discussion with Alex and we talked about Moshe as the master teacher who's going to remember events through a didactic lens and share those events accordingly. So in this week's Parsha, we have a lot of material that's, uh, that's very inspiring. Moshe will recall how he was denied entry to the land and God would not relent. He will caution the people about the challenges ahead, especially idolatry. He will remember one of the seminal moments, which is the events surrounding Mount Sinai and the revelation of the Aseret Hadibrot, the Decalogue. And then Moshe is going to introduce a short paragraph, which many of us uh, would regard as being some sort of a foundational text. And I'm referring, of course, Yiska, to the Shema. Yeah, yes. So, um, for those of you that are following with the text in front of them, we are in chapter 5, verse number 4. It's a short section. It really is comprised of only six verses. And in the Shema, I'm going to uh, suggest that we have some sort of a very, very concise distillation of fundamental values and, and tenets of our faith. So, Yiska, do you want to share some basic thoughts, maybe just on the content first, before we get into you know, the deeper ideas? Yes, yes. In fact, this has always been one of my favorite parshiot, uh, to discuss, to, to really go deep into what the Shema really means for each individual and for us as a people. I've always been amazed that we have a tradition if we know when we're going to pass to the next world, we should all live to have a long, healthy life, that one of the last phrases that comes out of our mouths is the Shema Yisrael. And we know there are stories uh, in the Holocaust when people were forced to dig their own graves. And before they were shot and murdered, they were singing Shema Yisrael. So those two realities beckons me to search out what is it about the Shema? Wow. There has to be something special. So, you know, I think that's, uh, that's it's very, very moving that you're, you're mentioning the Shema in the context, you know. It's also the first thing that we learn as children. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's something about this particular section which, which seems to speak to, um, I guess, the entire gamut maybe of our, of our life experience. Um, just to remind our listeners, so the Shema, here Israel, God is our Lord, God is one, is a declaration of God's oneness, God's unity. 
It is also um, a commandment to love God with all of our being, to transmit these ideas to our children, and to make them part of our daily life through the mitzvot of the tefillin, which we place on our body, and the mezuzah, which we place on our doorposts. Mm -hmm. So it's a short section, but I think all of, our, all of our listeners are familiar with it through the various kinds of expressions that it takes in our tradition. Yes, yes. Uh, I'd like to uh, take that and perhaps add peel away the obvious and just go a little bit deeper. There is a tradition from the Baal Shem Tov that after Tisha B'Av, we refer to the month of Av as Menachem Av. Some people actually will say Menachem Av, which is the comfort of Av. Av also means father, the comforting of the father. And we know in our own prayers, especially Rosh Hashanah time, Avinu Malkenu. As much as we see God as our ruler of the universe, the Melech, Malachi Malachim, the King of Kings, we have a personal relationship with that King as our father, as our parent, as our spiritual parent. So what is being comforted here? Menachem Av, comforting the father. The Shabbat, even after Tisha B'Av, is called Shabbat Nachamu because of the Haftarah, which begins with Nachamu, Nachamu, comfort you, comfort you, from Sefer, from Isaiah. So I learned over the years, I believe it was Reb Shlomo Kalbach, many, many years ago, gosh, I think in the 80s, taught me this, and it just found a place in my soul and has stayed there that the Av that we're comforting is the broken. There's a brokenness, and it's between the Aleph and the Bet. The Aleph is the first letter of the first of the Ten Commandments, Anochi, and that is symbolic of my Judaism, that I receive Torah as a Jew, as part of the Am Yisrael. The Bet is the first letter of the Torah, Bereshit, when the whole world was created. So really, what is the conflict? What is the problem? There's an inner conflict between Yiska as a human being living in the world at large and Yiska specifically as a Jew living as a member of Am Yisrael. What comes first? What matters more? One is more the physical, one is more the spiritual. The PSS and the Rebbe teaches us that in fact they come together that the physical world that was created through the ten utterances as we read in Pirkei Avot, those ten utterances were uttered by the same orator as the one who gave the Ten Commandments. The Seret HaDibrot and the Aserah Ma'amarot, together they created all of physicality and our spirituality through the Torah. So if the one speaker who is our father created all of this, the PSSness said, this is a proof. And it says in the Midrash, he quotes the Midrash, the voice was heard all over the world from one end to the other, and everyone heard it from every direction. Is to teach us that the physical, me as a human being, in fact is not in conflict innately with the Torah. It could be because of certain choices I may make or not make. Where does Shema come into this? When we say Shema, the declaration is Shema Yisrael. Who am I saying is hearing? The Yisrael inside of me. The Yisrael inside of me, as the angel told Yaakov that fateful night when there was that wrestling match with the force of the other side, you will be called, your name will be changed from Yaakov to Yisrael because you 
have embraced the struggle. And what's the struggle? Between God and humankind. Between spirituality and physicality. You've embraced that struggle. And you, you have struggled with it. But to how? And you will prevail. So I'd like to suggest with all of this together that the Shema, the Shema is our remedy. It's our healing. It's a true fa for the brokenness that we see in Tisha B'Av, always read right after Tisha B'Av. So what I'm hearing from you, Yiska, is that, you know, all of us, um, whether as individuals or perhaps as a people, maybe as part of humanity, live with certain tensions or challenges, things that are difficult to resolve, contradictions perhaps. Yes, yes. And I guess the Shema is a call to unity, which it is. Yes, that's right? the Hashem Elokein, Hashem Echad. Like, it's all one. It's really the source is the same. Which is why that teaching from the Pesesna is so poignant. Because the world was created with the ten utterances, and we were given at Har Sinai as the whole Hevra, the ten commandments, the Aserat HaDibrot, Dibor spoken, Amamarot speaking. So basically, there's sort of, um, I guess, a divine unity, which is maybe the straightforward reading of the verse, right? That Hashem Elokeinu, God our Lord, is one. And maybe we'll talk a little bit more about that. And then you're adding this extra dimension. It's not just about the unity of God, but, but our unity as well. The inner unity. The inner unity. And I think that, that really speaks to why, if I know I only have a few breaths left, at, you know, <laughs> I want to be able to go into the next world feeling some type of inner unity with, with God. And, and also we say Kriyat Shema Alamita. Even before we go to sleep, it's exclusive of the two times a day that we're commanded to say the Shema. We say it at night, as I was taught, it was one of the first pieces I was taught 50 years ago. You don't know which world you'll wake up in. You'll wake up, just you don't know which world. If you wake up in the, in the next world, you say Shema before you go to sleep, just in case. Wow, that's a very powerful idea. Um, so we have this idea of unity, which seems to be um, central to the Shema. And that unity speaks to God's unity, speaks to our unity as well. I just want to shift the discussion a little bit, maybe to speak about God's unity and the implications yeah. of that. Um, you know, I, I think, for me at least, um, I'm a, uh, I guess, a devotee of uh, a Maimedian approach. And Rambam takes this idea of God's unity and he turns it into, I guess, maybe an, an uncompromising, uh, an uncompromising way of looking at the world, which is to say, everything depends on God's unity. I mean, you're saying a similar thing, really, sort of, we're taking our model from God's unity and, and modeling that in, in seeking unity for ourselves. Um, what do you think about when you say the Shema? Or, you know, when we make the... Are you thinking about the, the P.S. Sechner when you say the Shema? Are you thinking about other things? What I'm thinking about is, first of all, cultivating awareness of the conflict, of, of the struggle, not running away from it, which I used to do years ago. You know, as we get older, I don't know if we always get smarter, but we have a little bit, hopefully, more confidence in life. So it's a matter of holding space for the struggle. 
And I say this at, when I say the Shema, especially at night, not so much in the morning, but really at night before I go to sleep, I review my day. I do a din v'cheshbon nefesh and accounting. And I, I go into the deeper part of me, what worked today? What brought out my better self? And what needs more attention to refine? You know, some of the mistakes like, I said that, really? Or I did that, really? And that's the conflict because it's between my soul and being a human being, a homo sapien on the planet Earth that has physical needs. So I hold it, I honor it, and then I say to Hashem, I'm proclaiming you. When I say the Shema now, you gave it all to me. So with my belief in you, you'll give me the, the healing by me really believing and cultivating in an awareness, not just a theology or an idea, but in my behavior, that I will seek further how to unify this tension, how to bring unity to these two polarized opposites. That's what I think about. Wow. Yeah. And it's a great way to go to sleep. Uh, we learn that for a married couple, before they go to sleep, they're not supposed to go to sleep angry with each other. Whatever it takes, work it out, then go to sleep. I feel within each one of ourselves, I don't want to go to sleep angry with myself. I don't want to go to sleep feeling, wow, I could have done much better today. I could have been really, I could have been a much better self in my service to God. So I resolve it. Mm. And that's what I think about with the Shema, is that unity that is coming from the same source. So there must be a way I can resolve it and bring shalom. It's like shalom bayit, but the inner shalom bayit. Wow. So that's a really powerful lesson. Um, you know, in the, in the traditional uh, rabbinic reading of the Shema, the rabbis, of course, inserted an extra phrase which is not in the original text as it appears in the Torah. And that's Baruch Shem Kivod Malchutoli Olam Ba'ed. Blessed be His glorious majesty forever. So I just want to focus on that phrase for a second because I think it's a significant addition. Um, when the rabbis speak about the Shema, they speak about this idea of Kabbalat Ol Malchut Shemaim. Mm. Uh, taking on the yoke of the kingdom of heaven. Earlier you, you suggested that we, f we refer to God as Avinu Malkeinu, right? God as a parent, God as a monarch. Um, and I think, you know, those are very different ideas about God, clearly, right? One is about intimacy and closeness, and one is about some kind of reverence or distance. And um, obedience, too. Obedience, yeah. good. Um, a th recognition of authority, and that somehow the Shema maybe is also about reconciling these very different ideas of God for us yes. as well. Yes. Um, you now, Rambam relates, and I think he's not off the mark, that the source of our tradition that God has no material form is the demand for unity, i.e., anything which is material by definition is composite. It has to have length, width, height, dimensions, by definition. So in order for God to be a perfect unity, it must therefore follow that God is incorporeal. God has no uh, bodily form. Ramam says once you make that jump, then God existing outside of time becomes a possibility. 
Because anything which is material exists in time. Anything which is transcendent can be independent of time. Yes, and in fact, that's where I draw strength in believing that there's always a possibility for resolution because each of us has been created in the image of the Creator. So I am not basically, you know, seven days a week, 60 minutes in an hour, 24 hours in a day. Yes, I am limited, but there's a piece of me that's unlimited. There's unlimited potential. And in Hebrew, the word for potential is the same as power, koach. So I've been gifted by the divine, from the divine, a piece of the divine that I am not limited by either my acquired behavior, my past, that can inform my present. But as Heschel said, spiritual living is to live in radical amazement. And I'm amazed that as a human being and the animal of the species of the human being, I also am godly. There's a piece of me that, that will live way beyond the limited time that the body and soul are together. So it's, it sort of sounds like, you know, the theme that's emerging here is that we take our cue from God, yeah. so to speak. And if we can proclaim God's unity, as abstract as that sometimes seems, we can also recognize our own possibility for unity. And the premise, of course, being that we contain a spark of the divine. Right? Some kind of a, an element of divinity that, that each of us embodies, that each of us incorporates, and that somehow that can therefore allow us to have an affinity, a relationship, a connection, and, and, and take instruction, I guess, from this idea of God's Beautiful. unity as well. Yes. So is it no wonder that we recite this after Tisha B'Av? Right. It's, the timing is... It is a manifestation of divine providence. So it seems like, um, you know, there's this idea in the Shema, which will later become um, crystallized in the Halakha, that we say the Shema at least twice a day, and you say it even a third time before you yes, go to bed. Right. Um, why do you think it's so difficult to kind of remember this teaching such that we have to repeat it so often? Rob Cook. That's such a wonderful question. I actually never thought of it that way. I'll suggest a teaching to answer your amazing question. A teaching from Rav Cook. He says in Shmoneh Kavatzin, which he wrote when he was in Yafo before he went back to Europe and then came back to Yerushalayim, in one of his earlier teachings, he wrote, basically, the, the human being, particularly the Jew, we come from two sources. We know from the very beginning when we, Adam and Chava were created, we come from the ground, the earth, Adama, hence Adam, and then this piece of, of the divine creator was blown into us. That's like the highest of the high and the lowest of the low. And we come together, form the, the human being, he said, we only have these two. So it's a matter of prioritizing one over the other, not eliminating one over the other. Physicality has a very loud voice. It, it, when we're hungry, when we're sleeping, when, we're, when we want to purchase and consume, those are very loud external voices that we hear. 
And many times, unless we cultivate awareness, the spiritual part of us gets pushed back to the back burner and beyond the very latent, very latent in our, in our everyday consciousness. He said, if we prioritize spirituality, though, and put that in the forefront where we honor the soul, physicality is not pushed. That is the resolution. It's not pushed to the way, but we still eat, we still eliminate waste, we still procreate, we still hydrate, we still dress up in the winter so we stay warm. Like we still take care of the body, but we do it through the lens of spirituality. Beautiful. You know, it reminds me of uh, Nachmanides, the Ramban actually explains, going back to the initial moment of the creation of humanity, let us make Adam in our image after our likeness. And of course, all the commentaries are concerned with the plural yes. that God employs. And the Ramban says that actually God is speaking to the earth. Me and you, the yeah. earth, will make Adam together. You will provide, so to speak, the body, the physicality. I'll provide the spirit which is blown in. And, and yes, the, the ideal state will be humanity, which is the only creature capable of bringing both of these together right. in some sort of profound Yes, that's, and that's why we need to remind ourselves every day, because the external noise can be very loud. The Kaldama Madaka, that still small voice within us, she's always speaking, but she never raises her voice. So I need to remind myself and be reminded that there is inner unity. And I need to make the choice to focus on that. That's, what, that's my part in this relationship. It's as if Hashem has gifted me, gifted me the potential, and now I've accepted and then like run with the ball, so to speak. I'll, I'll accept the challenge and honor you, God, and preserve the dignity of the human being. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you, Yiska, for sharing. Thank and you, Michael, for teaching. <laughs> may we all have a productive and meaningful Tisha B'Av. And as we read through this Parsha, which is read on Shabbat Nachamu, the Shabbat of Consolation, May we derive comfort and strength from it. Amen. Can you hear our song? Thank you. Shabbat Shalom. Thank you again for downloading this podcast, a production of Pardes North America. If you liked what you heard, please give us a five-star review wherever you download your podcasts. Be sure to follow us on Spotify for the latest episode of Pardes from Jerusalem. 